Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. We sing things and say things in church that maybe we're not really in touch with. And we, we can be. The Holy Spirit quickens us. You're all I want. I mean, there was a time. I mean, there's been... I, I, there was a, a major lot of time in my life when that wasn't true. You're all I want. But before I was saved. But the, the scary thing is, is it was also true after I was saved and after I was pastoring. Because there was all kind of other things that I really wanted, if I was honest. You know, I wanted to, I hate to say it's embarrassing. I wanted to be famous. You're all I want. Oh, really? The Lord looks at the heart. You're all I want. And, uh, you know, he does, he has his ways of getting to our hearts and sorting it all out. And he does it through the circumstances and he does it through its outpouring. He changes us. And he's continue, it's a continual process of changing us. And, you know, Feed the Multitudes has been a big part of that through the history of our church. And, um, in gathering together, you know, feeding, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations that you normally wouldn't go to on a daily basis, many times you see Christ there. You can meet Christ there. He can, he, he can show up there and reveal himself to you. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what he, he can reveal himself to you today in so many different ways. In the singing, in the teaching, in the communion that we're going to take in a few minutes. As we feast on the bread and drink from the cup. It's just a, we, we begin to sense Christ is here. Christ is here. He's in his church. He's in his body. He's ministering to his people. He's loving us. He's ministering to us. You know, I was reading this morning, I was, um, I read uh, a, a short little um, sentence from um, Spurgeon that I, he, he was talking about feed the multitudes. And he said, this is what he described it. He says, look at this. We have Christ for the master of the feast. We have apostles as butlers. We have thousands of participants. And we have miracles for supplies. And it's like, wow. That's Feed the Multitudes. So I want to read it out of Matthew's account this morning. Just uh, again, like I said last week, pretend like this is the first time you ever read this passage. And let hear, hear what God has to say today to you and to me. Now, when Jesus heard about John, what he'd heard, John had just, his cousin, the prophet, had just been beheaded. When Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. He wanted to, to seek the Lord. He wanted to hear what this signified in his ministry. John's been killed. What does that mean about me and my next steps? And when the people heard about this, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when he came ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is secluded and the hour is already past. 
to eat and send the crowds away so that they might go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, well, we have nothing here except five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And ordering the crowds to sit down on the grass, he took five loaves and the two fish. And he looked up toward heaven. And he blessed the food and he broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And there were about 5,000 men who ate besides the women and children. So I'm, I want to just share some things this morning about this, about this miracle. About how personal this miracle has become to us as a church. You know, and, you know, thinking back, you know, many of you have heard this story again and again. But I'm going to tell tell it again this morning. Back in 1990 as a church, um, we couldn't, we couldn't pay the note on our, on our loan that we had made on this property. That's, that's pretty scary when you think you can't pay the note. The next thing that happens when you can't do that for a while is this is no longer your property. And so that's, that's the place we were at. We were in that particular situation. We didn't know how to get out of that situation. And I, I read, I, I, just in my daily reading, I came across this passage. And what struck me about this, what struck me about the beginning of this passage, is this phrase, when Jesus heard about John. When Jesus heard about John, this, this had to be up until this point in the life and ministry of Jesus, the biggest crisis in his life. John, his cousin, had just been beheaded. He knew what that meant. He knew that he was next. He was next in line. And he had to figure out, well, what should I do now? Should I, what, 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 what is my, my plan? So he decided he was going to get away and he was going to pray and seek the Lord. But he wasn't allowed that luxury because the people began to follow him even more. The crowds that had followed John were now following Jesus, and they began to follow him even more. His crowds began to expand and began to grow exponentially. So he wasn't allowed the luxury of taking a break, taking a vacation, taking a rest day. But he had to face the circumstances that he was in. And this, this if you look at this story, what, what Jesus did became an example for all of us. He ministered to others in the midst of his own trouble. It's the way out. It's the way we live. You can't wait till you don't have any more troubles or any more needs. Because you'll be waiting until kingdom come. It'll never happen. You can't wait until you get your stuff together. Until you get your finances together. Until you get your business together. Until you get your family together. You have to start right where you are in the midst of your pain and suffering and your own troubles and find someone in a worse predicament than you are and you won't have to look far. Find someone hurting, more messed up, more confused, more miserable than you are and out of your needs, pour into their life in whatever way you can. You might feel like you don't have anything to give or anything to offer, but that's is the way we minister. And that's, that's the way God shows up. That's what the first feed the multitudes was. 
The Lord spoke to us and it sounded like the, the silliest of all the ideas. Of all the ideas, the way out of, of financial trouble was not to dig a deeper hole. But that's exactly what the Lord was telling us to do. I want you to go and throw a free food festival for the poorest of the poor in this city. But Lord, I I can't afford to pay my own debts or my own bills. This is what I'm telling you to do. This is what I want you to do. I want you to give to someone worse off than you in the midst of your troubles. And watch and see what I will do. And in the midst of that... In the midst of that, in that first day in 1990, Feed the Multitudes 1990, as the people came onto this property for the first time, under the tent out, out in front, something began to happen, not in our visitors and guests, but something began to happen in our congregation. The Lord began to deal with us. He began to show us that it's, it's may, maybe is it possible that there's people in the city of New Orleans that are in worse circumstances than you are trying to pay your monthly notes. Maybe there's people that don't have a monthly note. Maybe they, they're living under the bridge or living in somebody else's house or living in their car or whatever it is. Find someone hurting worse than you are and do something to help them and see if God won't get involved in your life. Because that's what he always does. That's what he always does. And that was the beginning of Feed the Multitudes, 1990. I want to share this blog with you um, that I have in my notes today. It's called, He Wants to Show Us Miracles. And this is where, this is where the unexpected happens. You know, we can, we can only do so much as humans. And then... God has to take on the, to come on the scene. We have, we have limitations. You know, you, you, you can't give no matter how much you want to if your pockets are empty. You can only give what you have. This little boy that particular day would love to have paid for the whole feast if he could have, but he couldn't. All he had was five little pieces of bread and, and two fish, but that's what he had. And the Lord used what he had and began to show his glory through miracles. That's what this is about. We have no more, Luke 9, 13, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, the disciples said. Except we go and buy food for all this people. So that was the, that was the suggestion from the disciples. Let's, let's see who's got, so let's go buy some food and see what happens. So Christianity today needs to make a turn toward the supernatural. When was the last time you saw a miracle? When was the last time you saw a miracle? Even more scary, when was the last time you were believing God or looking for a miracle? When did you even need a miracle? Could you get by without a miracle? We are too much like the disciples in this passage. How much money do we have in our pocket? And where's the store? Where's the grocery store? Jesus was not looking for what the disciples could produce that day. He wanted to show his glory through the power of signs and wonders. He wasn't interested in the bakery or the finances. He wanted to show his glory in the midst of those people. When they came to the end of themselves, when there's nothing else that they could do, he wanted to show what he could do that day. This generation needs to see his power. There's no other solution. 
We're getting to the point in history, in human history. We're getting to the point in this generation. Without a move of God, our genera- this generation is doomed. There has to be. There's no other solution. There's not a political or economic solution. Not an education or an academic solution. And yet, unless God moves, we are doomed. As people. We need the move of God. And see, that's, that's what, that's the point that they came to that day. In that circumstance, in that situation, without a move of God, this is a hopeless situation. That's a great place to be. So, this generation needs to see His power. Today's world will never be impacted in a major way for His kingdom without a new surge. A move of signs and wonders. That was what Jesus was interested in that day. He wanted to feed the people by displaying His miracle power. Could it be that that's what we are all hungry for anyway? Maybe that's what we really, really, really want at the end of the day. We want to see His glory at the end of the day. Only the power of God will fill our hungry souls. We have to discover that. Only the power of God will satisfy this hungry heart. Oh, I I thought it might be something else or maybe I could get by. Maybe it's a little sprinkling of God and, and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, only, 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 only the power of God will satisfy this hungry heart. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. That's the way I'm wired. That's the way you're wired. Nothing else will do. Now here's a quote from Watchman Nee. I love this. When Jesus said, give ye them to eat, it was not because he expected his disciples to have a plan, but because he wanted them to expect a miracle. Like us, however, they chose the easier way, the way which does not require the exercise of faith or prayer. Their solution was to go and buy. I can do this. I can handle this. It was a proposal unworthy of his disciples. It could as well have been made by Pharisees or even Sadducees. It displayed no faith, no trust in him. As John's gospel makes plain, their thoughts were on their pockets. What have I got in my pockets? They had not enough money. We only see what we can do. We only naturally see what we can do. We look at the world filtered from our own limitations. We limit God because we, we, we don't know the unlimited God in the way we need to. We, we see our own limitations and we evaluate our world from our own perspective. We shut our eyes to God and His inexhaustible resources. But God is not to be measured by us. Never mind what we can or cannot do. He's wanting to show us His miracles. And all of the drama in this 2020 COVID pandemic, one of the main mantras repeated again and again was, follow the science. Is it possible that at the end of the day we need more than science? Maybe we need the creator of science. Maybe that's what we need, the creator of science to calm the storms that surround us. Maybe the creator of fish and bread is what we're really looking for. The creator of fish and bread. He was right there. They didn't know it yet. But the creator of all the fish in the sea was right there that day. 
And they were trying to find an answer for the problem. And the answer was right there in their midst. He had made all the fish from the beginning of time. He was the creator of fish and breads and everything else. Maybe it's time to take whatever we have and put it in the master's hands. So, yeah, that's, that's where we are. We are... Let me just, let me read a couple of other verses and just reflect a couple of the reflections. Mark 6, Mark's gospel, they, when they got to this situation, it was the end of the day. They'd been ministering all day for three days. And when it was already late, his disciples came up to him and said, this place is secluded and it's already late. Send them away so that they might go into the surrounding countryside and villages. And buy themselves something to eat. You know, there's always a good reason to say no. I'm tired. I've done this before. I'm too old. I don't have enough money. Somebody else can do it. I did it last time. I'm tired of doing it. I'm going to take a break this time. But then he answered, no, you give them something to eat. I don't care how far away the bakery is. It doesn't matter about bakeries and or how much money you got in your pockets. I want you to, I want you to look to me and I want you to give them something to eat. I want, I want your hands to be involved in this miracle. See, I want you to see not what you can do. I want you to see what I can do. I want you to see what I can do through your hands. I want to see what, I want you to see what I can do through your hands, not through somebody else's hands. I want your life to be involved in this miracle. I want you to touch it yourself. I want you to touch the fish and bread and look into the eyes of the miserable and see what I can do through your eyes and through your love. You have to look at it. If it doesn't happen through me, it's not going to happen. I've got to get in the middle of this. I've got to get involved in the middle of this. It's, it's, I want to, I want to participate. I want my lunch to be involved. My fish and bread. I want to have some skin in the game. I want to, I want to see what God's going to do today through my life, through my touch. So then Matthew in, um, chapter 14, 17 and 18, they said to him, we have nothing here except five loaves and two fish. And well, he said, well, bring those here to me. Bring those. It's not much. We can't feed all the people with this, but bring it, bring it here to me. Bring it here to me. Put it in my hands. And watch and see, watch and see what happens when you put it in my hands. So, you know, it could be the little boy's lunch. It could be the widow's last penny. It could be fish, to Peter's empty fishing boats. It could, whatever it is, was not enough to meet the need until it came into the hands of Jesus. And that's, that is where things begin to happen. Take what you have, no matter how limited it is, and put it in the hands of Jesus. Because until it's in His hands, it'll stay not enough. Until it's in his hands, it'll be worthless and limitless and never amount to anything. But in his hands, all things become possible.
The little boy's lunch fed the multitudes. And, the, and Peter's fishing boat was full of fish and paid all the bills. It's supernatural. Yeah. Just a couple more scriptures and we're going to move on to communion. This, um, Mark 641. I love this. I love this. This is, uh, I shared a little bit about this on Wednesday. He took the five loaves and the two fish. You know, I always used to get it confused. Was it five fish and two loaves or five? You know, I would like it doesn't really matter, but it's, at the end of the day, it was, it was two. And if you read in the original language, it was two, like, teeny little small fish. Two teeny fish. Not, not big, not big fish. Two little fish. He took the five loaves and the two small fish. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves and gave the disciples to the disciples again and again. He kept taking from these two, few loaves and these two, and kept again and again and again and again and again and again and again. It didn't matter if there was five million people there. The number was insignificant. This before this, it couldn't have fed five men. Now it's feeding 5,000. As far as the Lord was concerned, it could have fed five million. Numbers didn't matter to him. He kept multiplying until the need was met. Until and then there was 12 baskets full for the disciples and leftovers. He gave the disciples again and again to set before them. And then, this is the part of the verse that grabbed my attention the other day. He divided the two fish among them all. Two fish he divided among 5,000 men. Kept breaking it and breaking it and breaking it and breaking it and breaking it. This generation needs the power of God. This generation needs to see the fish and the miracle of the fish and bread. This generation needs to be involved themselves in the power of God. You know, that's what, what changed my life when I got in the middle of it myself and I saw, hey, this is God's working not only around me, God's working in me and through me now. So he divided the fish. He divided the fish among them. And here we get to the Oh, yeah, the blessed part. He blessed it. He blessed the fish and the bread. He blessed the fish and the bread. He lifted, looked up to his Father in heaven. Our Father. He looked up to the Father in heaven and blessed the bread and the fish. He blessed it and began to multiply and multiply and multiply. The blessing of God. The blessing of God makes rich. The blessing of God is unlimited. The blessing of God is infinite. The blessing of God is only limited by the need that's present. The blessing of God can satisfy the deepest, the deepest needs. The most broken life, the blessing of God can, can fix the brokenness of your life, no matter how broken it is or how goofed up it is. The blessing of God's can heal and restore and make whole broken families, broken dreams, broken businesses, broken bank accounts, and broken bodies. He's the mender of broken lives. The blessing of God. And this is the, where we're going to finish as we take communion. John six eleven. John always took things to a whole other level. He, John saw from a different perspective. It was 
The Gospel of John to me is the, is the, the cream de la cream of the Bible. It's the top of the, of the heap. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. We beheld His glory. We touched Him. We felt Him. We lived with Him. We heard Him. We saw, we saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And so here's John, one little verse, half of a verse in this passage. It says, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, and here's the, the and when he'd given thanks, he distributed to them and gave to the disciples. Here's that little hint, the little glimpse into what was really happening here. Jesus taught about this the next day. They, they, the, the people that were eating of that miracle that day really had no idea what this miracle was really, really, really about. It wasn't about hungry bellies and about fish and bread and about having your needs met. What it was really about was this person who was in their midst. That's what it was about. That's what most of them had missed. It was about Jesus. He, he looked up into heaven. He broke the bread and he, he gave thanks. The word thanks in that phrase is Eucharisteo. Does it sound familiar to anyone? The Eucharist. It was, this is my body. This is the, the Eucharist. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is why I came. I didn't come just to give you a happy meal. I came to give you life. I came that you could eat my flesh and drink my blood. This is why I came. I came because you were lost. I came because you had sin in your life. I came because you were dying in your sins. I came because you were sinners in need of a Savior. I came to feed your sick soul with the bread of life that would heal you and make you whole. I am the bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone that eats this bread... We'll live forever. Amen. And that's what he t- went on to tell. The next day he taught that in the, in the synagogue. They began to ask questions. They, they asked some of the same people that had experienced this miracle. They said, Lord, hey, that was pretty cool. Let's do that again today. That was great. Moses did it for 40 years. How about you? And he said, you, d- you don't understand. He said, Moses didn't give you that bread. He said, I am the bread. I am the bread. He says, if you eat this bread, you'll never hunger. I am the bread of life. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.